The In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding. Welcome along to the very latest In-Depth Podcast on Ireland FM. I'm Richard Harding and my guest today is Deputy Heidi Soulsby, who's the President of the Committee for Health and Social Care. Welcome along to Ireland FM. Hi Richard, pleased to be here. Now, uh, we, I'd like to start with uh, finding out a bit about uh, what makes you tick and, and what were you doing before you got into politics? Ah, well, um, well, going right back to the beginning, I grew up in Devon and... Uh, that that was a long time ago now it seems and wanted to see the bright lights of London I was and I ended up uh, doing my degree in geography at uh, King's College in London that was my first love I really love geography I might seem sad to other people but always fascinated about how the earth has formed and and how the landscape is is it as it is and how man's influence has affected the earth as well that was really my first love and I'd intended to go off after my degree and do a master's um in coastal geomorphology and that was going to be to Fiji wow I know (laughs) and I was saying oh god it's gonna be fantastic and then just before I was gonna put my papers in there was a coup in Fiji and downright inconsiderate oh absolutely (laughs) so foreign office say no don't go there um and i thought right i've got to think about something else i didn't have any money at the time and i just thought well what do i do and um accountancy firms at the time were chomping at the bit to try and get graduates and i ended up studying to be a chartered accountant so, <laughs> so something very different and people are very surprised they, oh you're a chartered accountant you know so that's all the only thing about you is numbers and absolutely you know it just ended up getting into accountancy by accident we were put on what was called an express course at the time because uh, for those that had like a maths background as well so like um level maths and so I was ended up on this um express course and that's how I met my husband as well he came from uh uh, far north in, uh, in, in from Newcastle area and uh, we met there and so if it hadn't been for all that I wouldn't have met my husband. So, so <laughs> a, a change of direction again uh, in politics. Oh absolutely uh, I'd spent after, after that came over here and spent 16 odd years in the finance industry um, was at director level um, was a chief operating officer of a law firm did all that sort of thing um, and then set up a business with my husband. And it was during that time that made me think, well, government is kind of, I didn't feel like it supported small businesses. Um, you could say that now, I think, in, in, in many ways, they're the, they're the backbone of the island. And I felt there were areas that were when, where small businesses are not being supported. And also I felt like um, the skills that I had to bring from working out quite high, high, highest level in, in the local finance industry and the operator, operational level, I thought there was something I could give back. I mean, the finance industry had been good to me and I just felt I could I could put something into politics. So that, in a nutshell, is how I've ended up here. And certainly the, the, the business and finance community always want to have more people from from that domain. I was talking to Gavin St. Pierre in the last podcast. Uh, how, how do you think you can attract more people uh, from the finance industry, which is, you know, the, the number one industry in the island, to to stand for the states i think it, it is difficult i mean if you run a long long career and you you coming out of politics for, for four years can you know that break your your chain if you if you're trying to get to, to the top level i think those at the highest level directors in um in finance industry have a, a lot to bring and I, I would hope that local businesses certainly the larger ones can support somebody say going out for for four years and, and then going back into the industry and, and I, I i welcome it i think we 
we need a, a range of people. It shouldn't all just be from finance and business. I think it's helpful because you, you see various aspects about how to deal with finances, how to how to keep a business going, what the mood music is in the, in the, in the wider world when it comes to to the, the um how healthy the economy is and where we need to put our money I think that's useful but at the same time we need we need a good range of people in the states that represent the community. Now you've been in the states since uh, 2012 why did you decide to make that leap? I know I said it was it was feeling that there was more that could be done I felt I had the skills from working in in uh, the finance industry you know at a high level and that operational level and seeing how to make things work more efficiently and I think it was important at the time this was um, 2012 um, four years after the crash we'd had there was FTP 010 and it was clear that the, the finances and the structure of the states needed to change. Now, those are big, big ticket things that are impacting on the public sector, and it needed um, people to support that change for the for the next few years. So, what have you found the experience? Um, challenging, frustrating, uh, stimulating satisfying i mean all manner of, of things i mean every day is different it really is it's there's um I, I can get up in the morning and what i think i might be doing it, it might completely change certainly in the world of health and care it's always something happening something new i mean i like that i've got i've got a low boredom threshold so anything where i'm doing something different is is really great for me so yeah for, from that point of view it's it, it, it's it's really great but um yeah i mean there can be some very difficult moments when particularly in health because you can't get away from the emotional side of of things you're dealing with real people's lives and you see people in really quite difficult situations life and death situations and and really you know it's you you can't help but be impacted by that so it makes you really think you know you got it's a really important job to really do what you can now one of the things that has been uh, very topical is is the matching the nice recommendations uh, for drugs and that kind of thing. So how do you approach it um, when there's a limited pot of money um, and people are crying out for, for treatments that sometimes, you know, would extend their lives, but, uh, you know, may, maybe they can't be afforded? It's really, really difficult. And the truth is, in health and care, there's never enough money. Um, there's always something, and that's trying to balance that uh, that pot of money to make sure it goes to where there's the greatest need is what, what we try to do. And so that's where um, what we try to develop now in, in this term is what's called, it's very te- sounds technical, but called joint strategic needs assessments. So basically, working with people, the community, professionals to work out where the need is in particular areas and making sure that we focus our funding in those areas. And, and because let's face it, there are lobby groups, of course, people have their, their passions as what there are areas where one, one particular aspect of health is the most important thing to them. It impacts their family, it you know, impacts friends, and clearly they that's what they believe is where money should be put. From our point of view, we've got that one pot of money and we've got to balance it to where the, the, the greatest need is. It means that we can't satisfy what everybody wants because then there never will be enough money for, for absolutely everything. But it's what we need to do is make ensure that people can see the, why we've made the decisions we have and I think in the past it's been a lot about 
those who have shouted most and the money's been put there rather than saying, well, we've identified these, these areas of need and these are the, the areas that we need to prioritise. Absolutely, because it may sometimes be the quietest people who are in, in the most need. Well. Absolutely, and it can be. I think in the past it's been a lot of the uh, medical areas have really benefited more. I mean, I'm not saying they shouldn't have the money because there's clearly there, there's need there, but I think in, from the community point of view, um, probably it's had less, less um, funding in the past, and that's something we've been rebalancing this term. Of course, the big challenge and throughout the states is the uh, the ageing population. So, you know, you're responsible for one of the high spending committees uh, necessarily. And uh, how, how do you cope with the needs of a, an ageing and increasingly ageing population? Yeah, I mean, we are the biggest um, committee in the states uh, by far, uh, about about a third of states' expenditure. So that's a big pot of money to deal with. But yeah, the demand is, is rising. I mean, it's fab- fabulous. And, and we mustn't demonise people from getting old. And and, it's, and that's not what, what, what we're doing. We're just, we're just saying we need, we need to manage the increase in demand that comes with it. And people living longer and, and people... Conditions becoming more complex, which makes it harder. It's not just more people getting older. It is, it is the complexity... And we're finding it's becoming increasingly difficult that we've noticed the demand rising really at a far faster rate than than was expected. So we're 25% increase in demand in radiology, which we use far more now for diagnostics. 10% 10% increase in, in the hospital and in community. Um, and we're finding like the hospital's been full over the summer. I mean, critical care unit full to overflowing. This is not what we've experienced in the past. So we're trying to get, get around how do we how do we manage that now? And, and it's, it's, it's about getting community, hospital, working closer together, um, giving more care in the community. We've, we've increased the care in the community by quite a bit. But at the same time, it's finding people to actually do that work, being wanting to be um, care assistants and carers in the community. And uh, that those are all the struggles that we're finding. It's not just the money, it's finding the, the right, the properly qualified people to do the job. Why do you think there is this um, unprecedented demand now on, on services? Do you think people are becoming more aware of their, their health and... and wanting to, to get themselves checked out do you think so what do you think's behind it well that that's interesting richard because i think that there's, there's definitely that that part of it as well and when we think oh aging population means we've got more people getting old and getting more things wrong with them that comes with age but also in other areas um, like mental health in particular people are now thanks to the work of, of uh, groups like mind and, and that that and within the community and trying to raise awareness of the of, of mental health and how it's important not to keep it to yourself and and share and, and try and get treated that those aspects are leading to more demand at, at the same time as well I and mean, it's a great thing we need to adjust to it but how we do it is making sure that we put the that support network down into at the primary level not so people don't that whole prevention early intervention thing before people get too ill try and nip it nip it in the bud and stop people getting too ill 
and then needing the expensive care, which is you know, secondary, men- secondary mental health services, physical health services. That is a win-win situation. There's, obviously, then they don't go through the pain of the condition and, and the problems associated with that. And, of course, it, it, it's also financially there's a benefit too. So that, that really is a, a win-win yeah. being the preventative side. Well, I it? can't believe we've already got through this, this podcast already, Richard, and I haven't mentioned the partnership for purpose, which is... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God, what fuck did... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that is, I, I, I mentioned a lot. That is the new model of care. Yeah, and I mean, it sounds like a civil servant slogan, but it's a- and it's not. Actually, it was not designed by a civil servant. I can assure you. Um, and I can say the new model of care has very much got the badge of the committee on, on it. We've we've lived and breathed that model of care. It's just, it's not something that's going to sit on the shelf and be forgotten. Um, and it, it is, it's about prevent, prevention, early intervention is a huge part of it, mm. but it's about providing that, uh, it's a community plan. It is not health and social care's new model of care. It is the model of care for the island. So that's Guernsey and Alderney. It's, it's for both the islands it's for the sustainable future of, for health and social care. And it's about joined up, being joined up. We know them, that the frustrations people have, they, they go to one part of the, the service and then they've got to repeat everything to another part. So it's about joining that, work, getting the state sector, private sector, third sector working together p- to provide that joined up care for people, making every contact count. So it's not about, right, well, I'm doing my bit and, well, if you've got that problem, you've got to see someone else. It's about working together, treating that person as an individual, not a, not a, a condition. And that basically it in a nutshell. Uh, and it's got various principles behind it. And one of the biggest is prevention, early intervention, making sure we can treat people before they get too ill, making sure people make their own the right choices for themselves so they don't don't become ill. So it's it's everybody's plan, really, the, mm. the partnership of purpose. And so I'm hoping the next um few months we can put more out about a what it is but b what we've been doing to to really make it happen and and so people can get better of an idea about what it is and what's going on now you, you touched on the mental health issues and this is something that's been very uh, uh, certainly it's on my mind because I, i've been suffering from anxiety this year and i lost my mama uh, just after christmas and things and and there has been a nationwide, a UK-wide campaign to raise awareness of health issues, and certainly, you know, the the help that I received in the island has been, been very good. So, you know, what more can be done? Do you think to um, get over the stigma of, of mental health issues? Yeah, well, I think I think the, the the change that's happened over the last few years has been amazing. That that change from people, you know, wanting to bottle it up and not not feeling that they they could. Um, tell people about their, 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 their state of mind to now it, it's very different I mean it, it's really great to see I mean like we've seen Harry and William and yeah. uh, Rawls so that they, 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 they've put it out there and I, and I, I think that ex- that is excellent from a committee point of view when we, when we uh, came into office we made it um, a core part of what the state's committed to was to make mental health and treat mental health with as equal consideration and priority as physical health and we embedded that in the state's plan what's called the policy and resource plan but it's also in the partnership for purpose and we make that it's absolutely imperative that we do and we 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 did a, a review a gap analysis of our mental health um services 
provision uh, last, last year, early this year. And from that, we've identified areas where we can invest more. And that's something we've put in this year's budget. So um, looking at crisis centre, health and mental health centre, working with Jersey to do um, a helpline that we, we can we can ev- develop at the same time. But I think it's, it's, and again, it's a community thing. It's about how friends and family can help individuals at the same time. It's not just what, what the states can do. And I think like everything, we can all help each other and, and particularly in the area of mental health, I think. Now, uh, the PEH site itself, um, it's obviously of a limited side, size. Is, is there any future room for expansion there? Well, we're really lucky, actually, to have the PEH where it was. So, um, and it's right in the slap bang in the middle of the islands, pretty good communication and quite a bit of land, actually. I mean, we're not in any condition to state like, uh, like Jersey is at the moment. I mean, yeah. that's been an absolute nightmare. I think they've spent just trying to work out where they're going to put this, the hospital. Which they still haven't. And they still haven't. <laughs> They've spent the same amount of money as we're proposing we'll spend on the first phase of our 10-year plan. So it's about £38 million. Mm. Um, so we are looking at expand not much, actually, for, for the hospital. I mean, one the, the biggest expansion will be in that first phase where we're going to build a new theatre block and critical care unit because that's a real pinch point for us. That's why people... And sadly, have, we have to postpone um, uh, operations. It's more often than not because of the limitation around there and not having that that critical uh, care unit being big enough. But um, aside from that, that 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 is the most expansion we're looking at. And in the future, probably from from an acute care point of view, we'll see less being done within a hospital environment. So things that you know, were in the past done and you'd stay a week, we're now done as day patients. The stuff that's done as day patients, they might be able to be done in the community. Things are changing, medical advances changing all the time. But there is there is room, there's room in across um, both um, across the the, the uh, site at the moment, but also upwards. So there is that opportunity there. There's no there's no issue at the moment. Now we have heard rumours that the MSG may move to Ooh. where the dairy is. Uh, is, is there, have you heard anything about this? No, I've, I've heard those rumours as well, Richard. <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting, Guernsey, isn't it? Um, no, I, I guess I've I've heard that rumour. Of course. You'd have to find somewhere for the dairy first. Um, and I don't know of any project that's yet out the blocks on that point of view. But I have to say various options are being looked at. How do we um, deal with um, uh, the MSG? Is that one of them? Well, it's that has been muted. That might be an, an option, but they say that will be a longer, that will take longer than other options. So we need to balance what's, what, what, what makes more sense. At the end of the day, it's not about the professionals and what what they might want um and it's about what works for the community what works works for um those people needing an operation needing um, a consultation and how does that fit in the overall scheme of health and care so that's what we're looking at now that's a decision that we'll make after weighing it all up and seeing what what the best options are talking with our colleagues with the uh, secondary healthcare consultants as well about what we think makes the most sense for the future of health and care and that's that's the important thing and it's that the focus has always got to be on those we're there to to look after and care for. Now um, one of the big issues in the news over the last few months uh, has been the, the nurses pay claim and also the the issue of how Guernsey can attract and retain nurses 
especially when you've got competing jurisdictions like Jersey uh, that are prepared to pay more. Where, where do you stand on that and what, what would you say to that? Yeah, well, certainly as a committee, we've been very, totally united on, on this. Um, we we believe and support equal pay for work of equal value. Um, we've made that clear publicly. And this is something I think we need a firm commitment from the states to move to. Um, it's, it's important to us. We, we we are managing to recruit people. Um, um, this, this year we've had um, it's been absolutely uh, amazing success on the recruitment front, front and uh, really well done to all those involved, including our current nurses who've gone out there and helped it to recruit more people. But retention is a problem. It is an expensive place to live. And we, we need to make sure that we, we get greater um, a, a a salary that matches the the work that the people are, are doing now. I mean, nursing is a graduate profession. It's a job that I couldn't possibly do. I I I, I really can't believe how people can do that job. You, you've got to. It's got to be a vocation for you to be able to do that. I don't, and it's something that I, I I wouldn't be able to do. And it's a huge commitment there. But it's not so much what other jurisdictions are paying out. It's the parity between how they're seeing other public sector workers being paid. And I think there needs to be a rebalance there. And and I think the states needs to commit to it firmly. It's we've. There's been a lot of wishy-washy words over the years, and I think we need to have that that firm commitment to to say yes, we're doing it, we're doing it now. And I think part of the problem has been there have been those kind of words have been nice words, but there's no no action being seen. And I they think, butter no fine words, butter no parsnips. I think that's the phrase. Isn't yeah, yeah, and I think we <laughs> we have gone far enough on that from that that point of view. We know yeah. it it doesn't look right, and from 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 our point of view, we want to see some action. We're the ones that made sure through again our partnership purpose policy letter to say there needs to be a review nurses terms and conditions, and that, that eventually did happen. Um, and now that needs to be action. There's there's other work I know going on, and, and don't get me wrong, I know it's very hard for the policy resources who are responsible for this to do it because it's been left for so many years. Now it's going back on trying to sort it out. It's a really big job, and so I've got I, I totally understand where they are on it. But the longer it's left, the worse it, it will get. So it does need to be dealt with uh, now. Now, sort of finally to round things up, um, are you planning to stand at the next election? Um, I haven't decided yet, Richard. I have good days and bad days. On the good days, I think, oh, I'll go for that. And uh, bad days, I no, that's it. I've, I've had, so I haven't. I really have no idea where I am at the moment on that front. <laughs> so you can ask me again in six months. But uh, no, I'm not sure at the moment, no. So if you do, um, ah. would you like to continue presiding health and social care or would you like a, a new challenge? Um, it's a big job. I mean, as I, I've said before in, in, in just earlier, it's uh, quite. It's a big job, not just... It's not the volume of work that's issue. It is quite... Um, it can be quite emotionally draining. If you really care about these things, you can't just switch off at five o'clock and start off at five. It's uh, at nine on the next day. It's 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 full time, and it does. You know, you've got, I've got to think about that, and I've got to think about my 
my my family as well, although two of them are now left, so we're empty nesters, and we might be thinking about what we do for the future. But you know, it's it's you can't do this job without it. The rest of the family realizing what situation you might be in at any one time. So, I I don't know. I think politicians shouldn't be in the same job for forever and ever. I think you need new blood to bring them, put their own mark on it. But um, I think that's all for. You know, lots of ifs, buts, maybes going on there, Richard. So uh, <laughs> I, I will re- reserve my my uh, position until when we get nearer the time. I'll ask you again in six months. <laughs> yeah, okay. Definitely, Heidi Salisbury, thank you very much for joining us on the In-Depth Podcast. You've been listening to the In-Depth Podcast with Richard Harding.